for 30 plus years. I've seen every type of child grow up. Instead of giving me what I wanted, she gave me what I needed, which was truth. Don't let emotions win. Let truth win. Do your very best, and you should have a lot of fun while you do it. And the better you get at something, the more fun you're going to have at something. You moms and dads are wired with everything you need to be a parent to a great kid. Well, welcome again to Parenting Great Kids. This is episode number 155, and I am your host, Dr. Meg Meeker. You know, friends, my goal with the podcast is to encourage you and to help you and to really grab you by the hand and say, let's go this way, because in my experience, this is what's worked for myself and for thousands of my patients. So if you enjoy what you're hearing on the podcast, um, let us know. And also go to meekerparenting.com and check out our private community, Parenting Great Kids Community. It's a lot of fun. I go in and I answer questions. Um, I do live events and I think you'd really love it. Anyway, joining me today on the show is Dr. Ken Canfield. Dr. Canfield is a nationally known leader and scholar who's committed his life to strengthening fathers and families. He founded the National Center for Fathering, that's fathers.com, in 1990, and he's been involved with a lot of other organizations during his career. He's authored numerous articles, popular and scientific. He's written 12 books, including The Seven Secrets of Effective Fathers, The Heart of a Father, They Call Me Dad, and now we're going to talk about The Heart of grandparenting because both Ken and I are grandparents and we love it. But it's tricky because in order to be a better grandparent, we have to be a better parent to our adult kids because they're the doorway to the grandkids. Okay, let's get going with the conversation I had with Dr. Ken Canfield on this edition of Parenting Great Kids. My guest today is Ken Canfield, and I've been so looking forward to this podcast because we're going to talk about grandparenting. He and I are both grandparents, and we know the joys and the troubles of grandparenting, and I'm so excited to talk about that today. Thanks for being with me, Ken. Oh, you're welcome, Meg. This is going to be hot. There are 70 million of us in the United States. Get ready. The grandparenting tsunami has come to your community. <laughs> and, and parents, this is good because grandparents, if they're tuned in, they have time and money for those grandkids. Yeah, exactly. You know, and we're in a very unique position. I think of how my mother grandparented our kids. And it's interesting. I remember she was a fabulous woman. And um, but she said, I, I don't babysit. Um, and, you know, I do this and this and this. And it didn't face me. In the, she was a wonderful grandmother. And our kids remember her so fondly. And yet now this time I do a lot of babysitting. My daughter's a a teacher at a Christian school. And so, you know, I, I babysit, my husband babysits. So, so life for grandparents, it seems to me, this go round is a bit different than it was uh, a generation or two ago. Wouldn't you agree? Uh, yes and no. If you were Asian, it was carte blanche. You babysat, you took care of those grandchildren while parents work. 
Now our kids have to work. So you're right on target there. And this is where grandmother to the rescue, grandfather to the rescue, filling in those gaps will give you windows into your grandchildren's lives and into their families. That'll be so helpful. And just having you there, that calming presence, Meg, it's a difference maker. Yeah, it really is. And um, it's a joy as a grandparent, because as we were talking about before we started, you know, there's so many times I look at, you know, how to be a grandparent to my uh, grandkids. And I realize all the mistakes I made with my own kids. And you do have this sense of guilt and you feel like I want to help my kids do better by their kids. And the, my kids don't want to listen to me. And so you almost kind of have to let them make their own mistakes. So it's tricky as a grandparent, you're allowed to dive in and yet you're not allowed to dive in. Um, so there's this tension that you have to live with there. You know, um, I've written a piece uh, about reconciliation. If there is a time when some call it a do-over or an opportunity to do things that you wish you would have done, you may have been busy when the kids were growing up. You may have deferred to your spouse. And with those grandkids, they just look at you with a sense of depth and honor because, wow, I have grandparents, so it is really a gift that keeps on giving. You know, I liken it to this as you think of grandparenting. You know what parenting is like? It's like the Old Testament where you're doing correction and guidance and so forth. You know what grandparenting is like? The New Testament. It's just effusive and it comes out of you and your grandchildren will bring it out. But this point that you made is so important. Reconciliation. You know, you can really do deep work and help that family in ways more than just babysitting. Yeah. You know, as I've been reading about grandparenting, and it struck me with your book, The Heart of Grandparenting, Five Keys to Being the Best Grandparent Possible. You write a whole chapter on reconciliation, but it dawned on me going through that, that so much of good being a good grandparent is being a good parent all over again to your adult kids. So, you know, working with your adult kids to strengthen that relationship, which is going to have a big impact on your uh, relationship with your grandkids. So I love that whole chapter on reconciliation. Can you give us an example of what you've seen, how you've seen reconciliation, how it worked and the impact it had when they, a parent and grandparent had worked through that? Oh, absolutely. First of all, Meg, you scored a touchdown. This is so spot on. If we can get reconciliation worked out and understood, we will be fulfilling one of our greatest ministries. I think that's what Second Corinthians said. We've been given the ministry of reconciliation. So I'm speaking at a conference and I talked to this set of grandparents, grandfather and grandmother, after I spoke. And they came up to me and I, and I saw the grandmother because grandmothers are into this. I mean, they are ready to go. This is the issue. They hadn't spoken to their grandchildren in like five years because this is the issue. The doorway to your grandparent, to your grandchildren goes through your parents' front door. Mm -hmm. And if things aren't right. So she was talking and then he kind of got closer. I said, you know what? I would do this. I would call her. He hadn't talked to his daughter. There was stuff that went down. And, and so he called her. 
And I saw them. He happened to come to the same church I was attending. And about two weeks later, he said, you know, I broke the ice. Mm -hmm. I took it up on myself. I called her. We talked for two hours. But, But it gets even better. When you continue on the reconciliation, this is what happened. Uh, about two weeks later, he gave me another report. We're talking regularly. Mm-hmm. And a month and a half later, this is what he said. With his wife beaming, he said, you know, my daughter is having a hard time right now. She asked us to come move close by. And it it was just the right thing for them. Mm-hmm. So, so I would say to all grandparents, you know, if you can tell your kids, look, I tried to be the best mom or dad I can be, and I made mistakes, and I am sorry, and I just want to be the best grandparent I can be. It opens up dialogue mm-hmm. in great ways. You know, I, I love that because I think we can go through life and we can be adults, and then we begin to have our children, and all of a sudden... <laughs> the old mess that we had with our parents kind of bubbles to the surface. There's something about being a parent to a child that reminds you of your own childhood. And all of a sudden it feels kind of messy. And so it it feels like a lot of those um, issues that you had with your, your own parents come up and it's a perfect time to reconcile because it's a great opportunity. As hard as it is, it's a great opportunity. And I would encourage the grandparent to reach out to the adult parent and to begin the healing process. A, we know more because we've spent more time in life. B, we're more mature. And C, we, we realize how critically important it is to, you know, heal these relationships. And so, so much of grandparenting is about shoring up that relationship with the with the parent. Now you have 16 grandkids? 14. 14. Okay. Now, can you just talk to us a bit about your personal experience as a grandfather? I imagine all those kids are very, very different personalities. And 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 Dealing with their parents and then dealing with the grand with the grandkids. What have you learned as a granddad personally in dealing with even one of those 14? Yeah, I, I would say this to, to continue on a reconciliation, then I'll give you quick uh, what I have learned. Uh, first of all, you are not going to parent, uh, your children are not going to parent likely the way you do. There will be nuances. So instead of thinking critically about, well, if so-and-so, if they would just give them guidance or, you know, uh, press down on this, if you learn to, two words, zip it and wait for the time when you're asked for input, then you'll be ready to make connection. So connection supersedes criticism. And I learned early on uh, from the birth of our, our first grandchild that this was something that lit up my wife's eyes. Now, you want to have a happy, long-lasting marriage? You look at what happens neurobiologically when a mother becomes a grandmother. Oh, my goodness. It's empowering. And so I kind of piggybacked off that. And we had a great marriage and we have, that's another story, but 
it, it was enriching. And so I was drawn into this oneness because as, as men mature, testosterone drops. You become more mellow, more emotional. So for my grandkids, I found doing things. I found uh, providing things. I, I found that being there was enlightening to the whole family system. And as you spoke about earlier, we all have generational stuff that comes down the pipeline. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're smart. And you would know medically, uh, Meg, as, as a physician, uh, how it's important to know the genetic history of your family. Well, there is a spiritual history, a values history, and you're part of that. So you unwinding this and then flowing in with your grandchildren is going to be one of the most riching experiences that you can have. Have you had an experience where there's been tension between one you and one of your kids that has impacted your being a grandparent? Or do you have smooth connection with all of your kids? Uh, fortunately, because of the work like you that I did, it was smooth connection until my wife passed away. Mm -hmm. The grieving loss of a mother, you read Psalm 35 and it says, you know, I mourn the loss of, of my brother, but I grieve the loss of my mother. There's something about when a mother passes. Mm -hmm. So a few years mm -hmm. ago, my wife passed away. It put a couple of my kids in, in a difficult place. Uh, because, you know, they were grieving and I, having had to caretake my wife during the final years, I was ready, you know, to move on. In some ways, she had passed long before she passed. So it, it, it challenged me to do this. I had to go get attuned with one of my uh, children uh, to uh, we had no, you know, yelling or screaming or anything like that. But you could just feel this kind of iceberg status. And it wasn't until I took the initiative. Uh, that's what ambassadors do. And if I look back at that second Corinthians passage, we're to be ambassadors of reconciliation. So taking that first step. And then when I did, things warmed up, the ice melted. And in time, because different generations move at different times, mm -hmm. uh, I can say a thought. And so now it has been enriching both to the grandchildren who adored me and adore, adore me and, and adored my wife who passed away. And it's, and it's been, you know, replaced in a way that's been beautiful. That's wonderful. You know, it, it is hard because at our age, we do see more death than our, our kids do, our adult kids. And I think that um, not that it gets easier, but we've kind of learned how to handle it a little bit more. Um, and I think that to help our adult kids through that, um, can be tricky because I think if, you know, if they lost a, a mother or they lose a dad, you know, how wonderful to have the, the parent, the surviving parent to come into that young parent's life and say, you know, I can help you heal because it sounds like you really helped a lot of healing there over the loss of their mom. Yeah. Everybody has their own journey. Um, you know, grieving the loss of the child, the research says this, if you lose a child while parenting, 
you grieve a mother and a father out of sync. And that's why the divorce rate for those who've lost a child is significantly higher. So this grieving process is getting in sync and being attuned. And that takes time. Uh, Some personalities roll through it quicker than others. But the time pays off because there's probably healing in you that needs to take place. And I'm speaking of myself personally here. If I slow down, Meg, and I did slow down and I found a whole new world opening up. How about the grandkids? How did they take the loss of their grandmother? Oh, it was heart wrenching. Uh, they uh, bounced back because we honored her in this festive, incredible service. And I memorialize uh, around her birthday. I send them reminders. I've been, you know, honoring, you know, the memories, the rich memories they had. Because in in my case, Meg, um, because of my wife's illness, I actually moved in with one of my daughters and her family uh, in a separate living quarters, but in the same house. And so they came down, those grandkids, and participated in the care. Uh, it doesn't get better. Yeah. And, and, and it was a help to them because they are so much more mature in understanding the care and so forth. And so they were deeply bonded. So I take extra time whenever possible Yeah, absolutely. And I know that my father struggled with um, Alzheimer's the last five years of his life. And my parents, they live right next door to me um, across the field. We kind of live on a farm and they were across the field. And I remember before my dad went into a home and he had to go into a home because he became violent. Our son was 13 and he got to know my, my, my father very well. He had adored my dad. He adored. So he knew him, you know, when he was healthy and then he knew him through his Alzheimer's years. And he will go over and just sit with my dad for several hours while my mom would go out and do some errands or whatever. And the other kids didn't have that opportunity because they were off to college or whatever. And I think that in a way that made his getting over my father's death ultimately easier because he had all that time to grieve with my dad and he and he participated in his care. And so that was very interesting. And I think that was a wonderful experience for him. I know a lot of parents ask me, how do you, um, you know, should kids part, you know, go to funerals and should they see their grandparents sick? Well, I say it depends on the age. I mean, you don't need a two or three year old, but I think the more older kids can participate in the care of a grandparent, um, it's very enriching for them and it blesses the grandparents and it blesses the grandparent who's left behind. Um, and I think mm. it blesses the parent. So there's a win, win, you know, all around. Yes. Well, I would say you've described beautifully generational synchrony. And when you get generational synchrony together, you get a clan that has deep identity. Uh, Marshall Duke down at Emory University says this about uh, maturity, particularly during the adolescent years. It's the do you know questionnaire. It's in the, the book that I wrote and it's adapted. But if your grandchildren know uh, about how you met your wife, 
about where you went to, to school, what you did for a living, your greatest friend and so forth. It helps with identity formation. And during the adolescent years, those children seemed to thrive when they had that generational connection and synchrony like your son experienced. You know, and I think that's so important. Unfortunately, that's one of the things I think that gets lost when there's a divorce. Um, to see, we've seen it with all our kids. We have a huge family. My husband has a huge family. Everybody in our generation, four ki- four adults in our generation, each had four kids. So my, my mother-in-law has about 20 great grandkids and everybody gets together very frequently. But one thing I see, and the kids will say that too, it's very important for them to have a sense that I belong in this place. I fit here. Um, And I think that that's very important for kids to not just feel like they fit in a peer group or they fit, you know, with their mom at her house and their dad with his house, to have that sense of belonging into a larger group of over um, over a period of time. I, I think we can't underestimate that. So I would encourage parents out there who are listening to do what they can to reconcile with their parents so that they give their kids the experience and the joy of having a relationship with their grandparents. Well, parents, I hope you're enjoying this conversation with Dr. Canfield. I need to take a quick break, but please don't go anywhere. I'll be right back with more of my conversation. Welcome back to Parenting Great Kids. My guest is Dr. Ken Canfield. I want to go back to your book, which is just so great, on the heart of grandparenting. And um, you talk about reconciliation, trust, blessings, and humility, and apologies. But then you talk about what grandparents teach and how grandparents teach. So can you talk to the grandparents out there who are listening, thinking, I don't know where to begin with my grandkids. And what do you mean I teach my grandkids? Or I made a lot of mistakes as a parent. You know, how can I teach my grandkids anything good? So talk first about what we teach and then how we teach them. Oh, glad to. Well, first of all, uh, hey, grandparents, you're a curator. Your house is a museum. As a good curator, you have artifacts there your grandchildren need to know about. It may be your wedding certificate on the wall. It may be a book that influenced you deeply. It may be an honor that you received. It may be cooking ware that that you have taken, uh, you know, immaculate care of or for granddad's a a tool uh, or a workshop Uh, to the extent that you use your life stories that uh, illuminate them in, in a way that teaches them history because you are living history. Mm-hmm. Secondly, you are a warhouse of stories. And you know what to start with? Tell them what not to do by some mistakes you made. Now, as Meg pointed out, you got to be appropriate to age. You don't tell a three-year-old, hey, I made a mistake when I uh, wasn't fair on a business deal with this person <laughs> or that. You don't need to go there. But... If you can tell them mistakes that you made, here's a story. It's Halloween. I am in third grade. I went at our school, Meg, and the brownies, part of the Girl Scouts, had brought treats for Halloween. 
Well, they were by the pencil sharpener. So this little boy went over to the pencil sharpener and grabbed a couple of the treats, brought them back to his, his desk and started eating them. Well, I got busted by the teacher. She said, what are you doing? So I had to go home that day with a no from my teacher. My dad said, well, Ken, guess what? You're not going to go trick or treat. You're going to stand at the door. Meg, I told that story to my grandkids. They want me to tell it over and over and over because they just think, what happened? Oh, granddad, you know, the strong lionesses, because we have nine granddaughters and five grandsons, they just say, wow, that was pretty harsh. And then at the same time, they say, oh, that really happened. And then it turns into an experience. Hey, guys, don't take what isn't yours. There is a, a, a consequence down the road. So it's, it's these stories. And, you know, as we mature in age, if you've been to a retirement center lately, um, you get down to about 10 stories and you do reruns <laughs> over and over. Mike Segovia, he's already down to eight, so we got to keep him fresh and alive. But yeah. here these stories are so important. What are those top 10 stories? Do your grandchildren know them? So that is not only personal, but what I've uh, observed from aging grandparents. Mm-hmm. You know what? It is funny. Our, uh, our, our grandparents, the grandkids do the exact same thing to me um, because they've heard stories from my kids. And they don't want yeah. me. To recount, they don't want me to recount the fun ones. They want to recount the ones where I got into trouble, and 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 you. Of and, course. Oh yeah, and and they'll say, "Did you really do that when you were seventeen? I'm like, "Where did you learn that?" And they said, "Well, mom told us. You know, mom told us that you did this. Mom told us when you were dating that Poppy kicked guys out of the house. Did that really happen?" I was like, "Yeah, it did." Um, but but they love that, and then. You know, it's interesting, too, as I we went through the death of both of my parents and our, our kids were, um, you know, in high school and in college. When I looked at what they wanted to to save and have from my parents, it wasn't expensive things at all. And my my parents had some lovely things, you know, lovely pictures or jewelry, whatever they wanted a shirt that my father wore. They wanted, one of them wore a a baseball cap that my father wore all the time. Um, They wanted my mother's slippers or, you know, things that were so deeply personal. And I think that that just goes to show us how kids want to relate to their grandparents. They see us as very personal and they wanted to hold on to the comforting things that that uh, grandparents gave them. I was I was so moved when I saw that because they just took um, my daughter, you know, she has two kids and she's getting rid of some things and she's really having a hard time. This is silly, but you'll get it. You know, she has a paper towel holder in her kitchen and she was going to buy a new one. And she said, Mom, I just can't get rid of it because it was grandma's. And I said, honey, it's just a paper towel holder. I know, but I remember it in her kitchen and I remember cooking with her in the kitchen and I see it. And I said, then keep it in your basement and get a new one. But it's remarkable 
how grandkids perceive their grandparents. And we may not perceive our grandkids that way, but they have this deep personal connection and they just long to be reminded of that. I just think it's so lovely. And a lot of times it it comes in the clothes that um, their grandparents wore and not the fancy ones, but the very simple things they saw their grandparents in very frequently. You know, it, it flies in the face of this plastic materialism. You know, we just need to buy more stuff and send stuff to them. There is a place for gifts, but I think you're uh, identifying that, that comfort piece, the, the comfort factor and how families bond. It, it reminds me of the research I know you're aware of with daughters and pheromone uh, where they uh, find comfort in being close, particularly or having clothes that are uh, have been worn by their father because it sets off a very calming sensation. So comfort and calming from grandparents, uh, that's that's powerful. So so I guess this is a, a shout out to anybody. Don't think of, you know, stocks and bonds and real estate and silver and gold. Uh, uh, think of the things that that are meaningful to you it may be a pocket knife to that grandson that, not your two-year-old grandson uh, uh artifact from the kitchen uh that a grandfather would give not just a grandmother or or this or that those those are priceless and they are, are memory builder mm-hmm. they are and it shows us really what our grandkids want from us. It isn't the stocks. It isn't the gold. It isn't that. It's they want connection with us. And I think that it encourages me to see how much they want that connection, you know, with me. And even our kids, my parents passed away 11 years ago. They'll still say, well, how would grandma respond to that? Or they'll say, I'm not as nice as she was. And so they'll remind me of that a lot. I said, well, we're very different people. So we're talking too about, you talk at the very end of your book about how we teach our grandkids. So we've sort of been talking through that a little bit, but can you give some tips on the grandparents out there? Like specifically, how do we teach our grandkids the, about the important things of life and particularly how do we teach them in a way that maybe their parents can't teach them? Yeah. Uh, and Meg, it, it's interesting that that Halloween story I told you earlier, mm-hmm. I didn't realize I hadn't told my children that. So my children are hearing for the first time, this is the power of grandchildren. They will bring out in you stuff that, that is in there that needs to be shared. So I would say this, teaching uh, values uh, begins with, you know, this testimony. Now remember, testimony requires a test. Uh, What did the Lord take you through or did you experience to have this testimony and have you shared that? Again, that storyline is so important and so personal to you. Uh, you have a hobby, you have a craft. Yeah, what do you do to uh, earn resources uh, to support the, the family while uh, your children are growing up? And how is that uh, working in, as you're retired right now? Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the third thing, too, is think of yourself. Uh, somebody else that I read about a lot used parables. 
And parables are stories of life that have a beginning and end and and also illustrate principles. Mm-hmm. And and you are like a parable. Mm-hmm. And and when you uh, share that story, your life and then, you know, lead to a principle or something, it's going to be good. Mm-hmm. These teaching moments happen too spontaneously. And so be ready to share at any time. Uh, and and here's the real issue. Why do you think you're still on the planet? Mm-hmm. I think it's to pass that generational torch, mm-hmm. that baton to another generation. And when our work is done, we're done. But until that time, be intentional, be proactive and, and share and not overbearing and not smothering. I mean, that's the extreme we want to uh, avoid, but just be who you are and and you will be a great grandparent. Mm-hmm. You know, I just love that. You know, and if there are any grandparents out there listening, saying, well, this is really nice for you guys because, you know, you have a grandkids and you have good relationships. What do you say to the grandparent out there who may be, you know, divorced or a single, you know, grandparent and they feel estranged from their kids? What are the top two things you would tell them to do right out the shoot? Yeah, I've written a lot about this and you can go to grandkidsmatter.org and just Google estranged grandparents. Okay, you need to find a friend group where you can share some of the angst and anguish that you are dealing with. Without that, it just kind of percolates and you go nowhere. Secondly, keep a a store chest or a, a memorabilia box that until the dam breaks and things open up, there's things that you have collected and it may be, let's say you're forbidden of seeing them or sending cards or anything. And in this, what I call a difficult generation, that may be the case. Well, write notes, keep a journal, uh, put something down that will be discovered later on. And of course, I know you all recognize the power of just praying. Mm-hmm. Get those around you to pray with uh, others that are struggling. And you may not be struggling, but if you know another grandparent that is, make sure that grandchild is included in your prayers and let that grieving grandmother know you're praying and watch the hands of God open up the hearts of those grandchildren. You bet. I can't. You're absolutely right. And I think the power of prayer, we underestimate it all the time because the truth of the matter is God wants the relationship between the grandparent and the parent and the grandparents and the grandkids so much more than we do. And we, we have to realize it's in his hands and to just pray that he does something with it. Well, my guest has been Ken Canfield, and he's written this fabulous book to grandparents, The Heart of Grandparenting. And I strongly recommend everybody who's a grandparent, but even a parent, you know, because it's really important for parents to understand the power of grandparents and how they can help their parents be better grandparents. Ken, Thank you so much for joining me. I feel like we just scratched the surface of what we've been talking about. So maybe we could, you would come back and we could go uh, a bit deeper. I'd like to. Do you realize, Meg, 30% of our adult life, if we live long, we'll live as grandparents, 30%. But get this, the new demographic, 15% 
will live as great grandparents. So Meg, yeah, I'm coming back because we got great grandchildren we got to pray for too. I love it. I love it. But you know, this is a topic that we don't hear about that much um, because a lot of parents are going through a lot of stresses and we, we focus on helping them. But grandparents can be a wonderful resource for parents to say, I need help. I don't know what I'm doing here, even if it's physical help. Um, but anyway, Ken, you have a wonderful day and thanks again for being with me. You bet. See you, Meg. Well, what a powerful and fabulous interview I had with Dr. Ken Canfield. Now, let's go over my points to ponder. One, support the parents. You know, one of the biggest keys to being a good grandparent is to first help their parents. When we help their parents, then parents do a better job. We get to see her grandkids more often, and we have a better relationship with the grandparents. So support the parents by offering a listening ear. Give them some encouragement. And if you can, physically help them out with their kids. You know, parents are exhausted. Two, if you need to reconcile with parents, do it. You know, parenting can bring back a lot of the issues that we had with our own parents when we were kids. And this can happen whether we're a parent or whether we're a grandparent. So when we become grandparents, all of these issues come back and they sit between us and our adult kids. So if there's a big issue between you and your adult kids, confront them. There may be anger and some hurt and disappointment that your child had when he or she was growing up that they want to tell you about. So if you as a grandparent deal with the issues your kids are having with you now and vice versa, parents, if you deal with the issues that you're having with the grandparents of your kids, deal with them now because I promise you'll have a much better future with your kids and with your grandkids. Three, never underestimate the power that you can have over your grandkids. You know, we can give our grandkids things that their parent can't. We can give them more time to listen or to play or to simply be with them. Most parents are so busy that their kids aren't used to spending a lot of time with adults because parents are just trying to get through the day. So show your grandkids what certain things look like. What does it look like to just play slowly or go for a walk or sit with an adult like a grandparent and just have them listen? Do things with your grandkids at a slower pace so the two of you can really connect. I want to thank my guest, Dr. Ken Canfield, for joining me on the show today. To find out more about Ken, go to grandkidsmatter.com, grandkidsmatter, all one word, dot com. You can also find Grandkids Matter on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Just search for Grandkids Matter in your internet browser. Let's recap my three points to ponder. One, support the parents. Two, if you need to reconcile with parents of your grandkids, do it. And three, never underestimate the power that you can have over your grandkids. And remember, check out meekerparenting.com and sign up for my private community, Parenting Great Kids Community. You'll love it. So until next time, parents, always remember, 
that great kids are raised, not born. Hey, this is Mike, producer of Dr. Meeker's Parenting Great Kids podcast. At the end of our podcast, do you wonder, okay, how do I apply this to my life, to my kids? Dr. Meg keeps these discussions going in our brand new Parenting Great Kids community. She gives you answers to issues and clear steps to take to resolve them. Imagine having the ability to ask Dr. Meeker a question about your issues with your kids. Well, now you can. We've created a new Parenting Great Kids community where Dr. Meg answers readers' questions, posts videos on topics, adds a new parenting course monthly, and goes live with you once a month. Don't wrestle with your problems alone. Let Dr. Meg help you. Join us in the new PGK community. For more information, go to meekerparenting.com and look for the PGK community tabs.